And I think underlying all of this was that I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but I felt that investment banking gave me the optionality later on down the line to change career and to keep as many doors open as possible. Welcome to Secrets of the City, the show where we uncover the stories behind the people who work in the highly lucrative yet enigmatic jobs of the City of London. I'm your host, Ayush Santalia, and today we speak to Laura Andrews. Laura was born in Hong Kong and lived there for 12 years before moving to the UK. After studying civil and environmental engineering at Cambridge University, she took some time off to do a ski season and complete a sailing yacht masters before beginning work in JP Morgan's investment banking division. She worked there for a little over a year and is now due to start at BCG, the consultancy, this fall. In the meantime, she's also taken up a job at a two-person private equity fund, so she's got a pretty broad array of experience. But before she began working in the city, she did an internship at BAE Systems, a large engineering firm. I was doing a summer internship in their radar department, and my role involved sort of tracking an in-house software, using that to sort of check and tie into project dependencies, uh, which all sounds sort of really technical, but... Yeah, I was going to say, what does that actually mean? Yeah, I I don't think to this day I completely know, but it was basically like project tracking, kind of using a Gantt chart, which many engineers are quite familiar with, but more of an in-house thing. It was essentially engineering admin. And from there you went on to do an internship at JP Morgan. Yeah, a couple of summers later, yeah. What, so why did you switch away from engineering? Yeah, I, I actually came back a bit downhearted following my engineering internship. I don't think I enjoyed it as much as I expected and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I think looking back, I maybe rushed into finding like my next job or internship and what I wanted to do in life. So I chatted to a few people about their summer internships and there was a female engineer in the year above that I really respected who that summer had interned at an investment bank and chatting to her, it sounded like banking ticked a lot of the boxes that I felt were missing in engineering. So it was a lot more fast paced. There was, you know, it's a totally different industry. So there was so much to learn working with loads of different people, um, many of whom are quite ambitious and also that there was quite a lot of career progression So the role would change a lot, especially in the early years. And I was also led to believe that it's more meritocratic, sorry, more meritocratic than engineering. And and I think I also assumed there was going to be more variety in the day to day. And I think another thing that really attracted me was the ability to do some some financial training. I kind of I kind of felt that it's it was a bit of a thing that I was missing having studied engineering and if I wanted to go into business I would have wanted to do some sort of slightly more formal training and that you do get that in investment banks so a big luring factor was doing six weeks in New York before joining full-time and I think underlying all of this was that I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do but I felt that investment banking gave me the optionality later on down the line to change career and to keep as many doors open as possible. But I, I think all of this was a bit of a knee-jerk reaction to my summer internship in engineering. Yeah. I think there would have been so many engineering jobs that could have ticked some, like most of those boxes, but I kind of chose not to look at them. Did you enjoy the engineering degree side of things? 
I definitely enjoyed it as time went on because you were able to specialize. The first couple of years, you cover all different types of engineering from mechanical to civil to aeronautical. And that's quite unique to Cambridge's course. I really enjoyed the later two years when I was able to specialize in slightly more environmental focused modules. But at Cambridge, there was definitely a narrative that most people tended to start their career in law, banking or consulting. So I think my decision to consider banking wasn't particularly imaginative. And a lot of my friends were also considering it. You said when you were describing the reason that you switched from engineering to banking that you assumed banking would be this and you assumed banking would be that. Did you find that was actually the case when you went for your internship at JP Morgan? I, it, I definitely found it it was way more aligned to what I wanted, the environment I wanted to be in. And I really enjoyed my summer internship. I think I re- what I really enjoyed was the pace of learning. And I sort of came away from the 10 weeks seeing and understanding the world in a completely different way, especially like when I read the papers, I sort of yeah. understood all of those terms a lot more and they had much more context to them. And I liked what I really enjoyed in banking was that the rest of what's going on in the world has a real impact day to day. And I kind of felt like in my engineering internship, I was in a bit of a bubble. It didn't really matter what was going on out there as long as we were still, you know, like plodding on with the project. I think also the culture was really different. In what way? Yeah. So I found finance a lot more corporate, which could put a lot of people off but I actually quite like that when you say corporate what do you what do you kind of what does that mean yeah to me it one of the you know one of the superficial differences was that I was wearing a suit instead of wearing jeans and I was based in a major city instead of on the Isle of Wight and um I think you're the expectation that you're a bit more up to date on current affairs and things and I also felt that the demographic was a lot younger and that's you know not tied to being corporate but just I think that's a reflection of the two industries so finance yeah there was it was a lot younger there were also a few more girls around which was quite nice <laughs> not something many people would say about finance but um yeah well more than more than engineering anyway so <laughs> uh, and what was your what what were you doing on your internship at JP Morgan yeah I was in the EMEA, which stands for sort of Europe, Middle East and Africa. So I was in the regional team covering healthcare clients. And I mean, it it actually wasn't too dissimilar from the job that I signed on to full time. So we, I think the easiest way to sort of understand what we did was, would be maybe for me to slightly understand, well, to explain what investment banking does. Yeah, I mean, I personally don't even know what that is. So that would be helpful. So... I think in simple terms, investment banks provide advice to corporate, you know, corporate companies on their corporate finance and in return they get paid a fee. And investment banks tend to divide their teams into product teams and sector teams. So firstly, product teams tend to specialise in providing advice to companies on one product. The most famous of these is the M&A team, so mergers and acquisitions where one company buys another and the investment bank will give advice to that company on how to value it, um, what sort of cost savings you could expect from doing this merger. The second major product team would be equity capital markets. 
commonly called ECM, which is where you help companies find investors for their shares and again, give advice on pricing and valuation. So these are public companies who are trying to raise capital? Yeah, public, but also private. So private ones that then become public by listing their shares or public ones that then go private. And all the while, any private company, you can be giving them advice on if they were to go public um, in what's called an initial public offering, so IPO. If you were to do that now, what, what could you expect in terms of valuation and how much, how much money essentially could you get from that to go and finance the rest of your activities? And likewise, the exact same applies with debt. So the third product, which is the Debt Capital Markets Team, DCM. And so again, helping find investors for their debt and giving advice on pricing and things. So that's the three product teams. And then the second way that they sort of divide teams up is by sectors. So providing advice. Within, within each of the product teams, you've got a separate, a second. So separate to the product teams. I think the easiest way to visualize this is if you've got like a table with three columns, those are your three product teams. And then you've got teams as rows, those are your sector teams. So that could be healthcare, retail, technology, or or media companies, things like that. And whatever a company is looking for, you would apply both teams to that transaction. And uh, both teams would work together to provide advice. I was in the healthcare team, so we covered actually quite a large variety of clients so pharmaceuticals hospitals life sciences biotechs medtechs across all three products the sort of day-to-day work would be supporting our senior bankers either with pitching to new clients or for helping execute existing transactions and sort of providing analysis to support advice and I guess it all boils down to a lot of PowerPoint slides and Excel models. How did you transition from a pretty technical degree in engineering into another pretty technical job in JP Morgan? Like a lot of the terms that you've described, I would imagine you probably didn't really know before you joined. So how did you get to the level of knowledge that you needed to have to be able to succeed in your job? So like I mentioned earlier, one of the main reasons I wanted to join was because of the training. So six weeks of lectures, you're going to get familiar with the terms. And OK, yes, I left engineering, which you know is technical. I actually joined a finance team, which again is kind of technical because you've got to have financial training, accounting knowledge, things like that, and knowing how to model and things. So I enjoyed that technical side of things a lot. But it's a combination of the training they give you and learning on the job. And the team were really, really good at getting the sort of incoming analysts up to speed on how how to do things day to day. Did you do that much before joining or was it all mostly on the job? And once you'd become a part of JP Morgan, that's when you really learned most of the things. Yeah, I, I pretty much did it all on the job. I tried to brush up a bit on accounting, watching some YouTube videos, but it's I, I'd actually say it's a lot easier to learn on the job because there's so much more context to everything. And yeah. a lot of sort of separate things kind of slide into place. Yeah, it's a very good point. You mentioned earlier that your job consists of a lot of PowerPoint and Excel modeling things. 
What kind of things were you modeling? So you can, you need to model to understand how to value a company and under different scenarios, how does that valuation get affected? And then I'd say the slides is more to represent ideas and different cases and kind of provide visual tools for people to talk through. I think it's really hard to just boil it down to one or two things because you'd be doing a huge amount of a huge variety of analysis other things would include keeping track of transactions in the marketplace and seeing how much they were valued at and as a result what that then means for the firms that you cover how other how their competitors are trading and performing things like that it was that's what I loved it was the variety yeah I was going to kind of leading on from that how did you find your experience at JP Morgan both obviously during the internship but also now you know full-time did you enjoy it was it challenging I mean it definitely was challenging I really loved the first six months potentially a honeymoon period but as I keep saying I was just learning so much I think I was slowly being given a bit more responsibility and slightly more interesting work I was in a fantastic team with great people and they were really good at passing on their knowledge to me. How big was your team? So the, I was in sort of the UK team within the EMEA team. The UK team was 10 and the slightly bigger EMEA team was 30. So across that, you're working with a variety of people, which I really enjoyed. Loads of different styles of work. It was it was really interesting to to sort of compare and then apply that to yourself, how you wanted to work. I think... Like a key thing is that in that first six months, I really felt that I could have a life outside of work. I I trained and ran a marathon. I could see friends and families at the weekend. And at at some point that kind of changed. I think it coincided with finally being on an actual transaction. So opposed to just pitching all the time, I was on something live. And I started finding the work quite repetitive. Um... And slightly less engaging the hours definitely got longer so i wasn't really getting enough sleep and wasn't able to do anything outside the work eat sleep repeat cycle i also worked a lot of weekends and a lot of weekends in a row um so sort of any plans obviously you'd have to cancel and i kind of felt that there was an attitude that you were expected to do more with less and i mean Fundamentally, underlying all of this, I kind of just stopped enjoying going to work as much and started considering whether I wanted to move into something else. I think the thing that I found the hardest was the expectation that I could continue to produce perfect work, i.e. with no mistakes, off fewer and fewer hours sleep. And it's not that what I was doing was particularly intellectually stimulating, well, not stimulating, but stretching. It's just that like your mind is so exhausted that it it stops being able to spot mistakes in the same way that it can when it's fresh. So for me, the challenge at that point was, wasn't whether or not I could think creatively. It was just how fast could I turn around a piece of work with no mistakes. What kind of hours were you doing? So again, this this varies massively throughout the year, but when on a live transaction, I, I'd say it's 
not uncommon to be working upwards of 110 hours a week, sometimes 120. Um, And okay, if that's a one-off, you can kind of get through that, sort of. You might not be in a good mood at the end of it, but I think the, the real tough thing is that when you're on something live, you're doing that for weeks on end. But it's not always like that. There is going to be some respite at the end when the transaction's hopefully closed. But yeah, it's not, it's not easy. One of the things that I've heard, and I don't know if this is true, but you know, you're working 110, 120 hours a week. Are, those hour, are you sort of full on working for each of those hours? Or is there a lot of kind of waiting around for people to send you stuff? Or how, what are you actually doing in that time? Because obviously there's a lot of work to get through, but how is there 120 hours a week, you know, times five people or whatever it is for it to get through? That's a really good question. And something I'd also ask myself, uh, yeah, definitely you're not 100% efficient. And on that little sleep, you're not going to operate 100% efficiently either. I think this is actually one of the like biggest things that I would change is some of the inefficiencies that can work in, that can sort of exist in quite hierarchical teams so sometimes comments wouldn't be passed, you know, straight from the horse's mouth to the person doing the work. It would kind of get filtered through layers of the team and then filtered back up again. And as a result, that, yeah, it means you can be waiting around for stuff. So, yeah, it's definitely not efficient. But there are times where you will work flat out for, you know, 20 hours in a row. So yeah, it does vary. I guess the other reason for long hours is the number of projects that you're doing. And on my previous episodes with consultants, they're normally on one project at a time. Is it different for you guys? Are you normally spread across multiple projects? Yeah, you normally have four or five things on the go. And sometimes it can be more than that. So again, that's something that's really different between banking and other industries, especially, say, consulting, where you're only on one project. But I think because... And yes, you can have multiple work streams within one project, but you can also be on multiple deals at once. And it's a really key skill to be able to organize your time and balance all those things and all their different needs. And it can be quite tough when you've got different people chasing you for things. And unfortunately, theirs is less urgent. Do you have kind of three or four different managers, all of whom are asking you to do things? And yeah, that's yeah, definitely something that you have to balance. But on the whole, most people understand that that that's a feature of the industry and um yeah so i know you moved on from jp morgan a few months ago and are now working in a private equity startup tell us a bit more about that how have you found it so far what was the reason for the change so it's it's a bit of a funny one i sort of accidentally ended up in private equity um i was in the middle of doing interviews for consulting firms when um, I was recommended to my now current boss for a role as an associate, helping him set up his new firm. And we, you know, we got on and um, quite soon after we spoke, I was helping him get the company started. So, yeah, it's all a bit sort of it's very casual. Um, it was unlike any other interview I'd had before. But I think my well, my day to day job is whatever he whatever he needs to sort of help get the fund raised so private equity is you know another world that a lot of people don't really understand but 
Um, and I certainly didn't before I started this. And I'd even, I don't think I do to this date. I haven't really been doing it long enough. But the sort of stages that a private equity fund will go through is getting set up and forming a new company, if that's what the fund is doing, then raising money into the fund, which they can then spend on buying companies, spending a few years helping improve those companies, either growing them or turning them around, and then selling the companies on after a few years or however long they think necessary. And hopefully selling them on for a bit of a profit and returning that profit to the people that invested at the beginning. And the firm that I've joined and have been helping set up specializes in investing in software companies across Europe. And we're at the moment about to start fundraising. To date, what I've been doing has been sort of helping the sort of back office stuff. So helping launch and, and build a new website to getting systems set up for people to use going forwards from accounting software to like software for um, tracking what's going on in the marketplace to helping with our branding and getting a lot of our sort of PowerPoint and things set up. The most interesting thing that I've been doing recently has been helping build a model to budget for the fund going forward. So how you know what potential fees we're going to have coming in and what profits yeah. the fund could make and also what the outgoings are yeah it's been it's been really really good really interesting yeah. and again learning loads because it's a completely different environment and sector and again yeah. the sort of language that you use is also really different yeah i can imagine it's really exciting being part of what is effectively a, a total startup I know that you're going to BCG later on this year. You obviously just left JP Morgan, which was a pretty intense job. Was there any part of you which thought to yourself, you know, you've got eight months off, you just want to relax and do nothing in that time? Or did you always want to do something a bit more uh, productive? There was definitely a part of me that was kind of thinking that. And I think the the reason I didn't end up doing that was because I I, I had already taken quite a bit of time out to to do a ski season and things so I guess I I'd got most of it out of my system but and I also th- thought that this was a, a great opportunity that probably wouldn't ever come around again and even if I don't enjoy it I'm, I'd still learn so much so I think it was it was too good to pass up you know I'm, I'm still hoping to maybe go traveling for a little bit before joining BCG but at the moment, we're sort of in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. So I think, you know, we're going to have to play that by ear. I sort of recently bought a, a camper van. So um, very flexible in terms of travel and things like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other question on that is, why did you decide to actually go into consulting? You know, you're coming from investment banking, which is a pretty intense job. Consulting is also a pretty intense job. Did you ever want to go back into engineering or into maybe a completely different industry? Or did you always have your eyes set on consulting from the start? I I did think kind of this is a good opportunity to go back to the drawing board completely square one and really think about what I want to do. But because I, again, I don't know exactly what that is. It is going to be a case of keeping my options open until I do have some idea. And I think I saw consulting as an opportunity to get back into 
sort of sustainability, which was what I really enjoyed at uni and at school as well. So using it as a chance to try out some projects in sustainability, but also having the option to do other things just in case that isn't what I, you know, end up wanting to do. Yeah, I'm excited. I think there'll hopefully be a little bit more variety. And I think, like I said about that, that deal I was on, I did find it a little bit repetitive and iterative. And I think there's a little bit less of that in consulting because projects really vary from project to project. Whereas, you know, transactions actually kind of the same process needs to happen each time. Yeah, that's really interesting. I wanted to just spend a few minutes talking a bit more about the finance industry more generally. During your couple of years at JP Morgan, was there any trend or shift uh, that you saw that was particularly affecting the, the broader sector? I think something that banks are very good at is managing risk. So there is always going to be uncertainty. And actually, you almost need it because out of uncertainty, that's where the opportunities are. So I think, yeah, there's there's always going to be unknowns. I think COVID-19 was probably the one that people are going to talk about for a long time. So I think there's always going to be a need to factor different risks in. And I think something that, I think this is because I'm personally interested in it, something that people are starting to do more and more is modelling in like climate change risk. And I think that's something that I'd really like to see happen a bit more in the next couple of decades. I think that is something that has been reflected in a few of my other episodes as well with consultants is that companies more and more need to think about climate change in their five-year strategies and their 10-year strategies because the way that they respond to things like global warming is going to impact the behavior of their consumers, the behavior of their investors, the behavior of their suppliers, you know, all of that kind of stuff. I think it's on everyone's agendas right now and I think it'd be naive not to think about it and people realizing that a lot of the push is going to have to come from companies, not just government. Yeah, exactly. My last question, which I ask every guest on the show is, if you had to give yourself a piece of advice 10 years ago, 15 years ago, what would that piece of advice be? (laughs) That's a really tough one. I think something that I have been saying to myself more and more recently is don't do something because you think you should do it. Do something because you actually want to do it. Of course, there are going to be times where you don't enjoy something all of the time, but definitely stick to what you think you're going to enjoy most. I think a second one that I wish I'd done more is speaking up. So if you don't think something's right or you're not happy with the way things are going, then say something. Just having a bit more, yeah, a bit more of a backbone. And I think the third one... And again, something that I've definitely um, has applied to me recently is you can't control where your career path is going. And you're like, like I said earlier, you don't know what opportunities are out there. So take them as they come and don't stress too much about what you can't control. That was Laura on today's episode of Secrets of the City. If you like the show, please remember to follow us on Facebook or LinkedIn. Thanks for listening in and I'll see you next time.